Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us today as we continue a series, Pilgrims in Babylon. Our episode today is Quantum of Certitude. I'm recording this on Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. In the 2008 James Bond film, 007 sees all around him give way, destroyed faster than he can even comprehend, reducing him to realizing the essential reality of disillusionment as he seeks only a quantum of solace. To me, Daniel Craig, in my opinion, is James Bond. He's the best James Bond. We could have a great argument about that, but I think he is. But you can see the disillusionment in the character as the movie concludes. We're talking about being pilgrims, those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and anyone who would like to believe in him and join our our happy few, (laughs) we bond of brothers we pilgrims who are making our way through this Babylon, this fallen world system, this sinful chaos that we make our way through on our way to the celestial city, to heaven, to live forever with Jesus Christ. As we journey through this fallen world system, you know, increasingly it's so clear to me Almost daily, this is clearer and clearer that this is a Babylon of lies. This sinful world system requires that as pilgrims walking through it, this is not our home, we're journeying through it, that we must experience a quantum absurditude in order to make it. We need to remember and not forget the absolute truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, before we get to the scriptures today, and we're going to go, if you want to turn to it or look it up online, we're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at that whole chapter today. 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want to help you find it quickly. It comes after 1 Peter Thank you, Pastor Ed. Hey, I do what I can. All right, so these are things I want you to bear in mind before we even read this chapter, because these are the themes that we're going to see today in Second Peter chapter 1, as we talk about being pilgrims in Babylon and a quantum of certitude that we need, we require, we, we must have in order to make it through. All right, number one, the witness of other believers believers is important to us. Can I get agreement on that? All right, yeah, we agree. If someone had not shared the gospel with me, I'm pretty sure I would not be sharing it with you today. The person who initially shared it with me, uh, by the way, of a book, Um, when I was 16, was Dr. Billy Graham in his book, Peace with God. And um, then 
at the, right at that time, the Lord sent by our home a salesperson, a college student, selling Bibles and Bible dictionaries door-to-door during the summer to earn extra income for college. She saw, her name was Joy Carr, C-A-R-R. Joy, if you're out there, contact me. She saw, because I, I believe the Lord helped her see it, that I was reading this book, which was face down on the coffee table in the living room, about peace with God. And she asked me if I would like to be a Christian. And I said, yes, I would. Because at that point in my life, I realized from reading that book that I needed Christ. I needed to be saved. And so she pulled out something I don't think I'd ever seen before or heard of, something called uh, Four Spiritual Laws. And I know what that is now, but I didn't know then. She pulled it out and she led me step by step to place my faith in Jesus Christ. So um, I'm first in line to say the witness of other believers is important. But you know what? The Word of God is more important. I never saw or communicated with in any way Joy Carr after that, and that was only, I don't know, 40 minutes in the living room there that she shared the gospel with me, and she was on her way. I did tell her to come back later in the day when my mom would be home, and my mom was very happy to uh, get, uh, I believe, some Bible dictionaries from her. So um, she got blessed too. How about that? But I, did, I wasn't there when she, uh, she came by. So the witness of other believers is important. It's, it's crucial. But the word of God is more important than their witness because they will not always be here. Are you feeling me? Are you following what I'm saying? So you today, if you're a Christian, you may think of that person or, or even several people who shared the gospel with you and you believed in Christ. But you know what? You may have lost contact with those people as I did with Joy Carr. But to, you have in your possession... And if you don't, you can easily get it, even free online. You have the Word of God, which is far more important than only the witness of other believers. The believer who told you of Christ will one day leave you to be with Christ. Or as in the case I'm talking about, this person went on their way and our paths never crossed again. But you may, you may know the person who led you to Christ still. It may be a family member, a mom or dad, uh, a, a school classmate, you know, from high school or junior high school. It could be somebody on one of your sports teams, somebody you work with, someone in your neighborhood. But that believer who told you of Christ will one day leave you to be with Christ. They will not always be here. But the Bible is your shining light in a dark world when their light has gone. The Bible is your treasury of the knowledge of Christ. And it is the knowledge of Christ that we gain from this treasure book, the Bible, that enables us to grow as a Christian. And you know, that, that last sentence I said a moment ago, the Bible is your treasury of the knowledge of Christ, 
It is absolutely critical, even if you do not yet realize it. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Simon Peter says here that he's he's a servant of Christ, and he not only is a servant, but he's also a hand-picked ambassador, a messenger, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he's writing to the brothers and sisters who, who share the same faith that he had in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so he is addressing them here now. By the way, Spiros Zodiates, an, an eminent Greek scholar, now with the Lord, shared with me in training once that, for example, here where it says, uh, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the word and there in the Greek, the word chi, can also mean even. So read that again. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, even our Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you see what I did there? That word and, the Greek word chi in Greek, when you when you realize it can say it can mean even or uh, the same as let's say clearly this is saying that Jesus Christ is God. It is not not communicating that there's God and oh yeah there's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. He's God the Son, as God the Father is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. So there is no diminishing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may meet people from time to time that are in various belief systems. Uh, Some of them I call cults that that will readily agree Jesus is special, but he's not God. Well, here, that destroys that right there. Verse two. So let's go back to one. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So notice he mentions knowledge there. And he uses several words, by the way, for knowledge in this passage. But it is about knowing, and really it's a knowing that we don't come up with It's a knowing that is given to us by God himself as we study his word and the Holy Spirit teaches us, okay? According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. There's that word knowledge again. So I think we're supposed to know someone. You see what you see where we're going here? We're supposed to know Christ, okay? And there's a way that this happens. All right, verse four. 
whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers. That's the idea of being a sharer of the divine nature. This doesn't mean that we become like little gods. There are people who teach that heresy, but that's not what this is saying. It means that we become sharers of his divine nature. He's God, but he he brings us into himself. And it doesn't make us God. Please understand what I'm saying. But we are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So there are strong desires, that word lust there, that are abounding in the world, this world of, of uh, sin and corruption. And through our faith in Christ, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's good news. Amen. Verse 5, and beside this, so, so we get saved, right? So we're saved, amen. But then he goes on, verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. And that's the Greek word agape for, the, for God's kind of love that loves because he is God. And we love others not because they're lovely, but because the love of God is in us. So these are all qualities here. Now, I was thinking about this, and it kind of occurred to me that we don't sit down and say, okay, today I'm going to work on being, uh, you know, adding to my faith virtue. So I'm going to work on virtue today. And then, you know, tomorrow I'm going to work on adding knowledge to the virtue and then uh, adding temperance to the knowledge. So I don't think it works that way. I think when we're born again into the family of God by our by the Spirit of God, as we exercise faith in Jesus Christ, who is God, that we begin to grow spiritually because we know Him. And there's a there's a I'm gonna, what I'm going to call a miracle grow. There's a way to to uh, accelerate that exponentially. But we begin to grow in Christ. Now, please understand what I'm about to say. I am not, what I'm about to say, I'm not saying I have arrived, I am perfect, if only you could be like me, because that's not how I think of myself at all, because I know that's not true. But I am about to say something that I know is true, and it's this. Because of Jesus Christ in me, and as I have studied his word, and he has helped me work that out and apply it in my life, okay, stand with me, because of that, I am no longer the same person today as I was when I was saved. I, I can say because of him and his word and my growing knowledge of him over these, uh, not quite 50 years, but it's been a long, long time, four decades plus, of knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord and being in the word of God. Because of that, he is transforming me. Now, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me yet, all right? So 
You've all heard that before, and that's certainly true. But when I look back at what God has done in my life and the many times that he has hurt me and wounded me for my own good and broken me, and I've broken myself and wounded myself and hurt myself. Through all of this, the Lord is, has been patiently filing off everything in Ed Hill that does not look like Jesus Christ. I've got a long way to go, but you should have seen me when he started on me. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is, has just helped me grow so much. And I attribute that uh, to what I'm going to show you here at the end, to the Word of God. I'm going to show you that, Him using that in me. And I hope that if you're a believer in Christ, you could say the same thing. Now, if you've been a Christian, believe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you can't say any of what I just said, something's wrong. Something's amiss. You... You might not even be a Christian, or if you are, you have not been making yourself available to grow in your knowledge of Christ, and it's going to be because of something I'm going to show you at the end of this episode. So stay with me to hear what I'm going to say. It could be a life changer for you as a Christian. Now, verse 9, so these are all qualities the Lord grows into us as we grow in the Lord in our knowledge of him. Verse nine, but he that lacketh these things is blind. See, I, I just said that, right? But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. This could mean that he's saying the person is, is lost, but when he talks about and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins, that implies to me that this person in particular right here did trust Christ, but they had been uh, retarded in their growth. They had been stunted in their development. And they kind of are pretty much kind of the same person they were when they got saved. And that gets old after a while. All right. So, He's beginning to zero in here on where he's heading to, and we'll show you this at the end. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Now, for those of you who have a problem with the doctrine of election, I don't care. It's right there in verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election, that is where God has chosen us, your election sure. So be sure you're saved, okay? For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. So the Christian who grows in the knowledge of Christ through the word of Christ, word of God, he is going to be successful. He is going to have a, a quantum of certitude. Now, watch what Peter does right here. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I want to enter the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in an abundance spiritually. How about you? Now, I'm not taking anything materially with me. I have to, I have to send that ahead, so to speak, as I give to the Lord's work. But, but I'm going with just who I am and who Christ is into the kingdom of God. But I want to do that in, a, in the spiritual sense abundantly, as he says here. That where we just have, we've grown so much, we have, we have more than we need. It's just overflowing. Verse 12, wherefore, now here he's about to tell us what he's been wanting to tell us. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. So even though these are things we're about to see and we have seen that we know, he, he still wants us to always have them in remembrance. And he's putting them in our remembrance. So he used several words here we're going to see as we go through for, hey, recall this, remember this, you know, don't forget this. This is important. If, if you were to think of this um, like a... Like a just an image of this. It's like you're, you've got the Bible there and you have a huge red marker and you start circling where we're zeroing in on right now. For uh, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, that is, it's, he thinks it's fitting or suitable or correct, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So it's that idea of just uh, just urging us and firing us up, so to speak. Now he says, he is, yeah, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle. What is he talking about? Did you know that you are you, the spiritual you, the soulless you, inside you, that lives in a tabernacle, a tent that is your human body. That's what he's talking about. One day, I, I'm going to, uh, you know, break camp. I'm going to strike camp. And this tent is going to be taken down, this outward body that I've, I've been blessed with since I've been born and that you've been blessed with since you've been born. It's hard to imagine it or think of it, but... This body, uh, think of it almost like as a space suit that an astronaut wears in space. The suit is not him. He's inside the suit. That's a good way of looking at this. Well, Peter says that this is human body. He says, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Now, he he doesn't elaborate a lot on this, but he knows that he, because of what the Lord said in the Gospel of John at the end, I think, uh, oh, let's see, I think it's going to be in John 21, that he knows that he's going to follow the Lord in, in a martyr's death. And I, I think he knows that it would be by crucifixion. 
So knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Now, did the Lord show him even more about that after John 21? Maybe, I don't know. I'm not saying he did or didn't. But Peter knows very solidly that he is not long for this world. He knows that he is going to die deliberately and specifically because of his faith in Jesus Christ and that he has witnessed relentlessly to the actual, real, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead after his crucifixion, death, and burial. Peter saw him alive. He ate breakfast with him and others. There was zero doubt in Peter's mind that Jesus Christ is alive today. I have zero doubt about that. Do you? I do. Peter did. Now, moreover, I will endeavor that ye ye may be able, after my decease, that word there's exodus, how about that? After my departure, after my death is what he's talking about, that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. So Peter knows that he's not always going to be around. Now, this may have rattled some of those who heard this and read this because he was a living link to the actual resurrected Christ. He had been with Jesus in his earthly ministry, saw him in his death, burial, and his resurrection, and his ascension to heaven, and was expecting him to return again, but he knew before that that he would put off that physical body. He would die a murder's death, and we believe by tradition Uh, that he did do that by crucifixion, but by tradition that he felt unworthy to be crucified as the Lord was. So he asked to be crucified upside down. And he he died and he he signed his testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in his own blood. He would no longer be around in the future to bolster the faith of these new believers because he would be with the Lord Jesus. They would no longer have him around to ask him questions about the Lord. Peter would be leaving. Think about that. Would this Christian church survive? Would it go on when the last apostle died? I believe that would be John, the, the apostle. But when every one of the apostles had died, what would happen to the church? That's a good question. Now, we know what happened because they passed on their testimony through their ministry and their inspired writings, the Bible, the New Testament. You know, when Paul was gone and Peter and John and so forth were all gone, the church had to carry on by faith. They no longer had living links to the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, think about that. 
Moreover, verse 15, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, you know, like a myth. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, this is a big claim Peter's making here. And he's going to explain what he's talking about in verse 17. So let's let the Bible explain the Bible, okay? Verse 17, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, he says in verse 18, and this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now, I can't remember just sitting here. I should have looked this up. I can't remember exactly where it is in the Gospels, but it'll be easy to find. It's what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, where Peter, James, and John only were taken to the top of that mountain, and they saw the Lord Jesus Christ with the same glory that he had in heaven before he came to the earth, and it was stunning. It, was, it, uh, it virtually knocked them out. It was an experience they never forgot. And they heard God the Father validate Jesus Christ as God the Son. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So if you're following Mohammed or Buddha or one of the 330 million Hindu gods or you're in yoga or est or whatever you're doing, you're just wasting your time. This Jesus Christ is God come in human form. And that was verified on that mountain. And Peter, James, and John never forgot it. They always remembered it. Wow. Now that's, you know, right now, many of you are probably thinking, yeah, if only I could have a spiritual experience like that. Well, watch what Peter does. Now he had that experience, but watch what he's about to do. Hey, did you hear the news about two men who both each build a home for themselves? And their neighbors complimented them on the beauty of their homes and the, the latest styles and colors. And man, you should have seen the roofs they picked out for each of their homes and the, the landscaping, man. It was to die for, all right? And then it happened. The day came when raging storms and rising waters tested both homes. One home weathered the storm and one home collapsed. The first home 
took a little longer to build because the builder dug down to bedrock and built the house on a solid foundation. The man whose house fell, (laughs) well, it turns out that he had made one critical mistake. He did not take the time to build a solid foundation on bedrock. You know what he did? Instead, he, he built his home on ground that was way easier to work with and in a much prettier place. But he built his home on a dry riverbed. And then the storms came and that house was washed away. I see what you did there, Pastor Ed. Well, many of you do, but some of you think I'm reading from a newspaper. But let me let everybody in. This this is my poor attempt based on an actual parable Jesus Christ told about 2,000 years ago in his earthly ministry about building two houses were built, one built on rock and the other one built in a riverbed. You know, we've got to listen to and apply the Word of God. And it's a fact. This is a fact. I heard it yesterday on Bot Radio Network. They were talking about some research has been done every year for decades. And listen, annual research over many years has consistently shown, now listen, that professing believers in Jesus Christ who spends some time at least four days a week reading the Word of God have more successful Christian lives. Fact. All right, so let's apply that story and that research. Let's go to verse 19. Now remember, Peter had a spiritual experience on the mount seeing the Lord glorified Seeing that with Peter, uh, Peter, James, and John all saw that. I've never had that experience, and I know you haven't either. And we think, in our silly way of thinking, man, you know, if I could just only see something like that, and then I could believe more. Uh, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I know how we are. I could just believe if God would just do something super califragilistic, expialidocious. Yeah, all right. But here, look, look, Peter says, no, 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 no. Verse 19. We Now listen, Peter had that experience, but listen to what he says in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved or carried along by the Holy Ghost. Wow. Did you you see what Peter did there? Now, we uh, we need the quantum of certitude, right? Yes, we do, Pastor Ed. 
Well, we sure do. We need a quantum of certitude to make it through this world of suffering that we're going through. And, you know, I've been wishing people Happy New Year and all that. I'm just being polite. I fully realize and know prophetically and from the research that I've done in the world of what's going on right now and and stuff, if I told you about it, you would think I was making it up. But I'm, I'm satisfied that things are already happening that will be shocking and stunning to the entire world and we'll begin to see Bible prophecy for the end times beginning to be fulfilled. At, le- at, at the very least, the groundwork is literally being put in place for that in the world by the people and uh, mainly the leaders of the governments of the world. And I think we'll do a series on that after we finish Pilgrims in Babylon and First and Second Peter. But anyway, listen, Peter says, it is true that I saw the Lord glorified on the mount. And that was great. It was awesome. He says, but we have also, verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rising your hearts. Have you ever been in a hotel room or, you know, I don't know, somebody's house you're not familiar with, it's been in the night or something, and, and um, you have to get up at night, you're not familiar with the layout of the land, where the furniture is and all of that, and you're, you can't see and you hurt yourself. Uh, by running into something. You know, if only you had a nightlight to guide you, right? Well, hey, guess what? We may be in a really dark night, but the Bible is like a massive nightlight to guide us through this dark, sinful, fallen, suffering world. Are you using it? And I know statistically, I already know the answer to this. There may be many of you that do, but let's say that 100 people were listening right now to this podcast it would be like three of you who are doing it, and that's pretty much a fact statistically, and 97 who profess Christ are not doing this. Come on, people. You're going to need the Word of God, and, and you already need it. You just haven't realized it yet, but going forward, you're going to need it way more than you ever have before, ever. So, well, I'm believing in the rapture of the church, brother. And me too, But that doesn't mean we're not going to go through dark times before the rapture of the church. Come on. Head in the game. You need a quantum of certitude. And you have got to heed the word of God. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure word of what? More sure than what? Than the... Peter's experience on the Transfiguration Mount. We have the exposition of the Word of God. And he says, pay attention to that. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
The Bible is the most special, most precious book ever in human history. <clears throat> There's never been a book like it. There's not a book like it now, and there will never be a book like it or better than it ever in the future, in time or eternity. I so revere the Bible, and I learned this from Warren Wiersbe, the great man of God, I don't like to put things on top of a Bible. And I'm not, I don't mean that to sound like I'm, um, all I mean is I treat the, literally treat the actual Bible with reverence. It is the most special book ever because it tells us how to be saved and go to live forever with Jesus in heaven. What could be better than that? Amen? But notice here that this sure word of prophecy is not that somebody sat down one day like Peter or Paul said, I think I'll just write a Bible book. I don't think that's how it happened. In fact, this says that is not how it happened. That these holy men of God like Jeremiah or Moses or Peter or Paul or James or John, they they were in the flow of the Spirit of God, and God breathed his word into them, and they wrote the word of God. This is the unique book in the entire world. There is no other book like the Bible. People have tried to erase it, burn it, get rid of it, hide it, destroy it, outlaw it, and it's never succeeded Amen. The Bible is where we grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we grow, we see those qualities that were mentioned in the start of chapter one begin to grow in ever-increasing measure in our life because really the Lord is reforming. He's forming himself in our life. And that may take a lifetime, but we are, don't end up the same as we started. And that's a good thing. Amen? And Peter says here, you have to take heed to the Word of God. Now, unlike Peter, none of us have ever seen in the flesh or met Jesus Christ on the earth in the flesh. We believe Peter's testimony because he sealed it in blood. But even more so, we rely on the written word of God, the Bible. So here's my challenge to you today. Read it and heed it. But I don't know how to start, Pastor Ed. I don't know a good plan Hey, a simple plan is to read five chapters a day, every day, and you'll read the entire Bible in one year. If that knocks you out, then just find another plan. They're all over the place in Christian books and bookstores and online. It will be easy for you to find a plan that you can follow. You know what? It's not about the plan. It's about you getting under the Lordship of Christ concerning the Word of God. And we have quantum of certitude. James Bond 
in Quantum of Solace might have been disillusioned at the end of that movie. We're not disillusioned. We have quantum of certitude. And quantum, by the way, means the required amount, the necessary amount to have certitude. We have it not only because of the testimony of apostles like Peter, but also because we have the sure word of prophecy, the Bible. Listen, today you may be realizing a true need in your life to actually become a real Christian. Right now, confess that you are a hopelessly lost sinner and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to save you. If you need help with that, call 888-537-8720. 888-537-8720. And someone will help you. Even if you are a Christian and you need help doing what I said, if you will call 888-537-8720, you will receive help free of charge. God bless you for listening today. Tell others about This Week in the Word, which is hosted at dredhill.podbean.com. Thank you for listening today. Build your quantum of servitude by beginning to read the Bible. Bye-bye.